jambalaya and justice, personality and pokeballs, lingua and love, the Help Yourself Podcast, where in every episode, Brian and Nick invite you to help yourself to bite-sized philosophy. Welcome to Help Yourself, Food and Philosophy with Brian and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Brian. If I think minimalistically, does that mean I'm small-minded? Which Eaton Brian, or no, not Brian, which Eaton Marshall? <laughs> well, I just finished some Buffalo Wild Wings. I, we've talked about this before. Last time I was a guest on the podcast, uh, Buffalo is the thing for this redacted day of the week. And uh, today I actually picked up my lunch from Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, it's not my favorite wing place, but it is my favorite chain wing place. So wherever you're at, you can probably find a Buffalo Wild Wings. And if you want some good Buffalo, I think that's a pretty solid place to check out. Nice. BWW. You got anything to drink? Oh, water. You know, just water. Like, I like to be minimal with my, my <laughs> drinking. So water most of the time. Oh, right after you say a minimal comment. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So now what do you say? I guess I'll go with my uh with my my uh, Buffalo Wild Wings though. I like Buffalo Wild Wings. They uh they have all the uh massive amounts of sauces and I'm a sauce guy pretty much. You know. <laughs> you like getting sauced. I hear well, you. Well, yeah, I do. I mean <laughs> What did I see what what was I eating for lunch? I went the vegan path again, which uh, some of the pe- listeners probably understand that I am not vegan. I eat a lot of meat, but I've been trying different things just to see how much, uh, you know, how much progress the vegan substitutes for things have come. So I found this stuff. It's called Mac and Chow, and it's C H A O, right? Oh, it's good. Uh, I was worried. Mac and chow. Yeah. <laughs> but it is from a place called uh, Field Roast Company, I think. Uh, and uh, so it's regular pasta, just regular elbow no- you know, noodles in there. But it has this stuff called chow in it that they apparently have created. It's a cheese substitute, like a vegan cheese substitute. And it apparently... <laughs> is you, you can what? kiss your protein eating life goodbye <laughs> exactly yeah that yeah. spelled different yeah that's a c-a-c-i-a-o right right I, right i know it's spelled different i mean well, well, for, for our listeners to know how it's spelled just in I case it comes up it. i that's, did that's italian for hello or goodbye <laughs> i will say that i did chow down on this c-h-o-w so we're good guys I know. Yeah, I got two two eye rolls right there. That's awesome. So this chow that they created that is a a vegan. (laughs) We're both wearing glasses. So that's four eyes a piece. There's two of us. So you got eight eye rolls. Eight eight eye rolls. That's great. That's that's just what I need. Anyway, uh, so this chow stuff that they made is a vegan substitute. Apparently, the the ingredients on it are coconut oil, potato starch, fermented tofu. Sea salt, natural flavor, olive extract. So basically, it's like a tofu-based cheese substitute. And when I read those ingredients, I was like, there's no way this is going to taste good. 
this is this is just going to be a bad experience <laughs> for minted tofu. Well, like I'm getting you know, drunk on tofu. I, I mean, I'm fine with tofu. You know that, and I know you're not. But the, <laughs> you know, the thing is, uh, I, I I always, whenever it's like a substitute thing, I always go back like ten or fifteen years when I tried those when I was like in college, and they were the worst. They were they were so bad. They were just trying. They were trying their hardest to come up with something, but they just didn't have the ingredients or the know how or experience in order to make something that is a good substitute. And this stuff. It tasted like you were eating regular mac and cheese. It was creamy. Mm-hmm. It had good mouthfeel to it. Uh, salty enough, you know, not too salty, um, but super comfort food. And for the whole, this whole package, it was only 420 calories. Um, it, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say $420. It was only, it was only- <laughs> <laughs> So for a real inexpensive lunch, if you don't want to eat the rest of the month, you can go ahead and just buy this one package. No, uh, no, 420 calories and uh, only about eight grams of uh, protein, um, not too high in fat. The sodium was a little bit high on it. So if you're watching your sodium, that's probably not the best, but I would recommend it. It's uh, it, for somebody, even if you're not vegan, it really actually just tastes like mac and cheese. It's really creamy. Uh, and so for the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do a new segment on the show, Nick, new segment. Oh, good. We need segment more. segment is called BBC, right? It's Brian's Beverage Corner. Oh. <laughs> I think BBC's taken. Oh. Is there something else called BBC? I didn't know. I didn't, I've never heard of anything else called BBC. So. <laughs> Probably not in your neck of the woods. Right. <laughs> anyway. We have an international audience. We have to. Right. Consider. Exactly. Well, this BBC is Brian's Beverage Corner. So first one, I'm trying to still respond to our audience member that was asking about low caffeine, low sugar alternatives for drinks because she said that she really wanted low calorie or not low calorie, low sugar, low caffeine. They should check out water. Uh, That's that's what I'm (laughs) drinking today. And uh, I love it. It's great. Easy to find. Uh, Most stores carry it. So if you're looking for something, most, they were like, nope, we don't, water. What is this? We don't have that here. <laughs> I mean, there's also like, I love the flavored waters too, like uh bubbly and LaCroix, yeah. those sorts yes. of things like that. They can be a bit of an acquired taste. You may have to give them a couple tries or find the right one, but those are, yeah. those are pretty awesome too. They do take a little, like if you're expecting a Sprite, you're going to be sad. Yeah, but. You know, it's funny. I had a friend, a friend, one of my friends just moved here a couple years ago. And when he first got here, uh, and we, we've known each other for lots long, long time since high school. But when he first got here, he came over to my house and he was like, uh, I was like, you want something to drink? And so I got a LaCroix out for him. And I'm thinking in my head, like everyone knows what a LaCroix is. Like, you know, and mm. I'm like, well, and I was like, what flavor do you want? And it's like, I was like, I've got like lemon or lime or like whatever. And so I, he picked his flavor and he drank it. And the first sip, he was like, what, what the, there's no sugar in this. Like he thought, he thought it was going to be his Sprite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like there's lemon lime. I think there's maybe it's just lemon and then there's lime, which I guess you could mix together and get lemon lime, but then you'd still be disappointed because there's no sugar. It's like, right. right. It's, it's definitely the essence of fruit rather yeah. than like a real flavorful fruity drink. Yeah. I'm not on that note. Have you seen like the joke names for the LaCroix where they're like, oh, this this is water that was walked through a room that had the essence of vanilla sprayed through the air. And it yep. was, you know, like stuff like that, where it's like yes. just a hint of vanilla or whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> yep. I love that somewhere there's a joke online 
so I'll, I'll credit some random anonymous person online. Yeah. But it's like LaCroix tastes like you're drinking water and someone's whispering a fruit flavor <laughs> next to you. Like that's what it tastes like water with a whisper of a fruit flavor. Right, right. <laughs> it's like those things where the words flash up on the on the on the screen and you hear the word that of the word that's mm. flashing and then it switches and then you hear that word. It's like that. Yeah. Somebody could be like, it's and you're like, hey, lime. This tastes like lemon. it's lemon. Oh, it's lemon now. That's weird. Like, <laughs> it's it's that's, a psychological a thing. <laughs> they just write the name on the can, and they're like, people will think there's some lime. It's flavor fine. They won't, it they won't know. They won't know. It's just just give them a it's suggestion. All the, it's all the same. It's just the can that's different, and because <laughs> of that, your brain tricks you into tasting just, the slightest uh, bit. They it's just put it on there like you know, That's it. That's what flavor. Do you want on the can? Yeah. Just, what These flavor are jokes. Want? These are jokes in the event that some LaCroix person hears this and says, you know, like they probably do put some flavor in there. I'm sure they've heard them all before. Anyway, okay, <laughs> back to uh, Brian's beverage corner. So I was trying to address this client, client, not client, this uh, listener. Well, technically a client, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so I found this stuff that's uh, Zevia Organic Tea. And mm. uh, it mm. is, this one is black tea with rat and it's sweetened with, with uh, Zevia. Uh, and it is, what's the difference between Zevia and Stevia? Oh, sorry. It's sweetened with Stevia. The brand name is Zevia. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, so it's sweetened with Stevia and this is raspberry flavored and it's black tea. And so it has zero sugar in it. Zero calories. It has zero calories as well because it's sweetened with that. And it only has 45 milligrams of caffeine, which is about like a third of a cup of coffee. So mm-hmm. it's super low in caffeine, super low in sugar. It's uh, organic. It's non-GMO. It's fair trade certified tea. It's all the stuff. It has all the branding that you need uh, and then some. So it's half a cup of coffee. Okay. Half a cup of coffee. And, but I'll, I will say it, I'm, I'm not super like the stevia stuff sometimes has a, like a weird aftertaste to it. This one actually is pretty good. It, it doesn't have that aftertaste to it and it has a good flavor. All right. Next is wait wait wait. How m- we need a progress bar for yeah. This is, listeners. <laughs> this is two, two of three. Okay, oh. <laughs> it's like two of fifty. Two of we're just getting warmed up. Yeah, <laughs> we're that's we're what I said. Brian's going. beverage corner. All right, come on. <laughs> it's, it's Brian's beverage mansions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a recovery drink. This one has zero caffeine. It's- <laughs> I need a recovery drink from Brian's <laughs> Beverage Corner. <laughs> Should have saved that one for three. Yeah, exactly. So this is called O2, and it is uh, a drink that has – it's non-carbonated, first of all. And Which is it, why it's, it's O2. It's injected right. with oxygen, so it says it has seven times more oxygen than standard water. And it's ca- wow. this one is caffeine free. That I have another version of it that actually has caffeine in it, but this one's caffeine free. Shouldn't they call it like O fourteen then? Like <laughs> it's like it's carbonated, but without the carbon. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. oxygenated. Which yeah. Makes interesting. It rusty. Which again is what you said before. <laughs> like <laughs> drinking rust. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, I will say it's supposed to like the idea behind it, I guess, is it's, you're supposed to drink it right after you work out, which I clearly didn't. I worked out this morning, like five or six hours ago. 
Um, it's supposed to give you electrolytes and it's keto friendly and all kinds of stuff like that. And the flavor is pretty good. So I got it and it's uh, 15 calories per can. So there's an alternative. And number three is your guys's favorite, uh, just plain old water, but I have a sticker on there that says I regret nothing. The end. So, so that's Brian's beverage corner for you. Nice. Nice. The regret nothing reminds me of my favorite tattoo. No regrets. No, no regrets. No regrets. Yeah. Yeah. I may, I may get that. If I ever get a tattoo, it's either going to be that or uh, like a yin yang symbol or something. <laughs> so, like a what symbol? <laughs> you say a yin yang? Um, I don't think I said it right, actually, but yin yang is what I mean. Oh, I thought you said a union. Said. Like, I thought you said a union <laughs> symbol. No. And I'm like, I, what union are you in? <laughs> Railroad union. Right. Imagine a, a yin yang with like, you know, the white has black font in it that says UAW and then the black has white font in it that says some other union. A union yin yang? You want a union yin yang? That's what you want. A yin yang? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am eating one of my new fall favorite foods and it's simply soup and rice added to it. Nice. So just kind of a carved up soup. I, I lost my taste for crackers and soup. If I ever had <laughs> the taste for it, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to eat something that is what supposed kind of soup to be crispy and has gotten so soggy. What's that? What kind of soup is it? I think this is clam chowder. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. But, but you know, canned clam chowder. I haven't had any. I haven't found any like gristle or sand bits yet. So that that's usually a good sign for a good. Well, that one's a that one's a New England clam chowder, right? It's the white based one. Yeah, yeah. Not okay. that there's anything better about being white based. <laughs> just it just it just is. I wasn't making any any statements. <laughs> I I know you weren't, Brian. Just making sure it was clear to everyone in the room that I'm. Talking out of my yin yang. Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw Marshall like look at you like sideways. He was like, "What the heck? What, what did I get going myself on? into?" Yeah, I'm not happy till I get the side eye. I was just uh, busy thinking about sand in food and how <laughs> you know this isn't a clam thing, but like oysters. I'm a big fan of oysters on the yeah. half shell, and like they're fantastic. And until you get that one with a little bit of sand, and then you're like, "Ah, that ruined everything." Yes, yeah, and you can't get it out of your mouth, and you don't want to touch your teeth together again. You're, you're like, like, you can't. Like chewing and it's just like, yeah. what do you do with it? Do you, do you swallow that? Do you try and like spit it out? Like, you I don't feel like you're grinding your teeth down and you're like, yeah. I can't do anything until I go brush my teeth now, you know? Yeah. yeah you just, just take a sip of LaCroix and it'll, it'll eat away at the sand. I, and <laughs> just melt it away. <laughs> <laughs> Better if it's clam flavored LaCroix too. Yeah. Or oyster flavored. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, maybe, maybe a little extra sand in the gut helps with digestion, you know, really break stuff mm-hmm. down. Either that or you start creating a pearl, you know? Yeah, don't – I mean, I think there are birds that eat rocks for that reason. Isn't that a thing? Like some animal yeah, – I think I, so. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, or you know, alligators just – too? Maybe? I, I don't about, know. Heard of that I cows – no, cows are the ones with four stomachs. They're the ones uh, that, yeah. like, it goes from one stomach to the next. I think we're out of our lane. We need to- <laughs> I, I, think, I think we've gotten way oh, off base <laughs> If if you'd like to apply to be our fact checker and you're super busy and have a lot of fun, 
email yeah. us at helpyourself yeah. at brymick.com. It's like a, you can also yeah, find I us on that. Instagram. I say that and I'm like, birds with rocks? That'd be hard to fly. Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Right. <laughs> okay, anyways. Yeah, I'm also finishing off a Vinti iced Americano. Nice. With a Do you know what a, an Americano is? Yeah, it's a watered down espresso. Yeah, so it's got that key ingredient of water. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's like water is just everywhere. It's like, it's, you can't get away from amazing. it. It's amazing. I'd be weird if we were mostly made up of water, you know? Well, most of us. Brian's mostly made up of stevia and... <laughs> and, and fake and vegan LaCroix. cheese. Fake vegan cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much. Uh, and, and then speaking of water, I also have said beverage. Nice. To help wash down all that I've described. Oh, so much going on, so much to do, so many things swirling around me. If only I were a minimalist. Man, you think we could like talk about minimalism? Would that be a good idea? It possibly would be. It's possibly. literally all I ever talk about. <laughs> Really? Well, I'm glad we have you on because I think, I think we should. I think we should beat that horse to death. Like, if anyone ever thinks that we would be minimalistic on our topics, let's prove them wrong here and now and go maximal on our minimal. That's right. I mean, okay. there's there's like all the hot <laughs> stuff oh, in. Yeah. So what? Yeah, what is minimalism? Right? Yeah, kick us off. Okay. Uh, Wait, I can tick you off. <laughs> I know that. Now, so the idea of minimalism was stolen off of architecture where architects wanted to, as I put it, because I think it's clever, create a canvas on which people paint their lives. Wow. Similarly, uh, and with that idea was to have only what's necessary, the minimum amount of stuff on the walls or in the architecture. Similarly, people wanted to see if they could as- assign that or apply that to their daily lives and only have what they need and maintain that minimalistic look in the architecture they were seeing. And it caught on in crazy ways. And I think I'm now starting to speak out of my lane and I'll open the floor for Marshall to correct me or for Brian's access to Google to correct me. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's, there's kind of a lot going on in the minimalism world. Well, at least there was. Maybe it's kind of died down a little bit. But like the Marie Kondo stuff on YouTube or not YouTube, uh, Netflix. And then there's also a minimalism documentary on Netflix. And then I think they turned that into basically a mini series <laughs> on Netflix. So Netflix is like the place to go for, for your minimalism needs. Uh, well, I think there's also that tiny house. Fad. Oh, yeah, it tiny house. Like yeah, that, that's kind of a fad pretty much related yeah. to minimalism for sure. Uh yeah, I think the different people will will definitely try to define it and like put it in certain boxes, but I think it's minimalism's actually fairly broad. Uh and you know, so people will disagree with me, people will disagree with other people whenever, you know, I give this definition of what I think minimalism is. Um but really it's just kind of about focusing on the important things and not focusing on the stuff that isn't important. You know, so I think is there an amount of stuff like from an architectural standpoint if we if we go back to that like looking at a wall and saying you know okay it's a big wall i want to put one thing on it that really stands out you know that's minimalism 
Um, if I just say, I want this wall to be blank because I, I like the way that it feels as a blank wall, that's also minimalism. But then someone else might look at that same wall and say, you know what? It really just needs these three pieces of art and they're kind of small, but the way that they'll kind of contrast with the wall is really just going to make it feel full. You know, it's kind of like a less is more thing just, and there's no like, Oh, one thing on a wall is minimalism. Anything more than that is not, you know? And like, so it just depends uh, on the context. It depends on the person of what is minimalism. So it's not like a, you get down to a certain number of items and then you've become a minimalist or you've you've trimmed out X amount of things from your life and now you're a minimalist. It really depends from person to person. And so it really just depends on you uh, or me as someone who is kind of sometimes a self-described minimalist that do I have the things that add value to my life and am I continuously trying to evaluate what I have in my life to get rid of stuff that I don't need anymore or that is taking away from the parts of life that I really enjoy. So that's my kind of longish answer, my non-minimal answer. And we can kind of dig into that a little bit more. Well, I think that sort of plays into the value of it too. If you have a minimalist requirements to be a minimalist, then it can be easy to identify as one. It can be easy to adopt and get on that journey. Like it, it sounds like it's more of a spectrum than it mm-hmm. is a definition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. If if you're being conscious and deliberate about saying no to things by some standard that you you yourself enforce, you in, you yourself enforces? I don't know. Is that a singular you or a plural? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, anyway. Yeah. That if if you have a pattern or a method by which you say no to what you keep or what you will and won't keep, then you're on the path to minimalism. Like you yeah. might fall on the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's kind of it's, you know, what is it exactly? Like, is it a philosophy? Is it a lifestyle? <laughs> is it a financial system? Which, by the way, this is we may get into some financial stuff. And this is certainly not financial advice. But. Yeah, it kind of falls into like all those things. And it's just kind of something like once you start to think about, it kind of makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me. And just kind of in terms of like, where where are your priorities? Right. And that's I think a lot of people kind of get into cruise control in life. Yeah. And then they end up however many years down the line going, man, I've spent so much time, effort, money, uh, space, whatever it may be on x thing and i used to enjoy it but now i don't or i've never enjoyed it but i just thought it was something i had to do and i never really found a way to cut it out or to work around it you know it's like i've been thinking about examples of like how can we talk through this minimalism concept and um or i think a really good example is like a boat um you know, like most people would say a boat is probably not a minimalist item. It it definitely could be uh, if if like you, you love boats and like that's your life, like that's really what you focus on. And, you know, you love to go fishing, whatever. But for most people, right, a boat is an expensive item. Uh, it's an item that costs a lot of money to upkeep. It requires you to spend a lot of time maintaining it, but then also using it. So it takes up a lot of time. And then, you know, there's all this other stuff that goes along with it. 
you know, and so like whenever you think about what is the cost of a boat, it's actually a lot more than just the cost of the initial cost of the boat, yeah. right? There's yeah. all of a sudden you need a garage for your boat. If you right. want to take good care of it, you need a place to dock it potentially. If you don't have a dock or, or somewhere to put it in and, and take it out, you need somewhere that you can go. And so it's just all these things add up, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those things that on the surface level, a boat might seem like a good idea. Uh, and then you start getting into it of just how much time and resources it takes. And that's not that it's not good for some people. Like some people, boats are absolutely worth it. It's worth all of that cost. But, you know, for me personally, yeah. like a boat sounds like a great idea. Um, but th- the amount of time I would have to spend actually investing in it um, is is probably not going to be worth it to me. And so for me, you know, getting a boat doesn't make sense. Because that's just not as high up on my priority list that I'm not willing to spend all that other stuff on. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it's that's like. What I was going to say, Marshall, yeah. is like, I feel like uh, the, w- one of the interesting things to me is what would drive someone to minimalism? Like, why has minimalism become more popular? Why has why are more people saying like, gosh, I, I really want to sort of be more minimalistic in my life? And I feel like that's one of the things is I feel like over time you, you, you gather up all this stuff and eventually the stuff that, that was supposed to make you happy and was supposed to give you some feeling of like joy and some contentment in your life, all of mm-hmm. a sudden becomes an anchor, not to grab onto your boat metaphor, but <laughs> all of a sudden becomes an anchor. And all of, now everything is not giving you that feeling of, of contentment or like, oh, I've got everything I need in my life. Now you're like, why do I have all this stuff? Why do I yeah. have like my, why is my closet full and I can't find anything every morning and I go to my garage and I have to have a little path through the boxes that have all this stuff in them. And, and so all of a sudden you start to think of how I just need to get rid of some of this stuff. And then mm-hmm. the next question comes, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you start? Yeah. You know? So not, Yeah. I think you asked like three questions in there. Like what? <laughs> why you know what what's made minimalism so popular why might someone want to be minimalistic and then how could someone be more minimalistic right like yeah like i heard all three of those questions and what <laughs> yeah you said and i'd love to go in deep on each of those well the reason why i asked those questions part of the reason why i asked the question of how do you start is I've started like multiple times trying to, I have the I have full of middle. Yeah, there's no question that I, and I've done, I've done the Marie Kondo thing with the, with the closet where she says, take everything out of your closet and pick up every single, each individual item and say, does this spark joy? You know, do I, do I, mm-hmm. does, this, does this really make me happy? Do I really want this? Do I wear it? Do I use it? How do I feel when I'm holding it? You know, that kind of thing. Her, her whole thing is your feelings are in control mm-hmm. of that. Right. And, so I've tried, I've done that and the closet looked great and now it's back to where it was before. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you it, didn't it's, do it right. Cause she said that if you do it right, you won't never go back. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I clearly did something wrong. Yes. I was, <laughs> you, you failed. I did. <laughs> a failed minimalist. I was, I was, I was a, like a short term minimalist, you know, just yeah. for a short amount of time. I was, <laughs> I am minimally well, yeah. minimalistic. Yeah. So let's try and, coast through some of those questions nick you can remember all of them for us as we go through it i, I think yeah it's like, that's where you know minimalism is definitely um you know a little bit of a philosophy a little bit of a lifestyle and stuff does just kind of creep back in um you know i guess depending on on your lifestyle depending on what you're doing uh it's really easy to go through your closet 
um, and like clear everything out. And then all of a sudden, like if you're a runner, for instance, and you're doing races, like you're getting a shirt every single race. And it's like, that's a great way that your shirt collection just builds right back up because, right. you know, part of what you're doing, you're just collecting things or, um, if you're, you know, birthday parties, Christmases, you know, you're getting shirts, socks, whatever, like all that stuff just continues to build up. Um, so it is something you kind of have to, yeah, go back through like every X amount of time or just kind of keep an eye on it if you really, you know, if you want to. And it depends, you know, because another piece of minimalism, right, is, is the spectrum being how much closet space do you have and how much closet space do you want to keep free and, you know, that sort of thing. You know, like the yeah. one thing that that uh, I think is hilarious is I, I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but where I am storage units are everywhere. And it just, yes. it, that's one of those things that I, th- I find hilarious is the fact that people are like, I have so much stuff. My house can't contain it. And it's, you know, I don't want to buy a bigger house because that'd be really expensive. So I'll just buy a garage somewhere else where I can put all my junk that I don't really like to use. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's like, that kind of concept. I, of, I bet uh, you money. Brian is looking up George Carlin's bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not I've actually. But I, that bit is really good if you haven't seen it. Uh, that about the we have places for our shit. You know, basically yeah. the, the stuff. language he uses is, is graphic. But you know, we have, we have places for our stuff, and then we find smaller places for our stuff, and then when we go on a trip, we take a little bit of our stuff with us, and we go to a smaller place, and we have our stuff with us, and yes and and we're always buying all this stuff to impress people we don't like with money we don't have and oh there we go um, right as far as like the source or not the source but one of the influences and and this is speculation i invite you all to add or subtract or whatever um i think minimalism is is coming to the fore or has had its time, <laughs> you know, maybe we're a little too late to this conversation, <laughs> but, uh, it, it seems that because we live in such abundance, right? Like we're well past the industrial age. Uh, consumerism is full tilt. Things are super cheap. It's easy to get tons of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. you know, food is cheaper, all this rigmarole. And we still have this evolutionary bias that is in high gear with all this stimulus to keep stuff just in case, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. everything's a tool we need. The more tools, the more survival, right? The, the better the tool, the better the survival. Uh, so we keep it cause we might need it. Mm-hmm. And that's back when things were scarce, right? Like if you found something that could be useful, you, you wouldn't come across something that could be useful for miles or months. Now you come across something that might be useful like on the sidewalk it's or everywhere. I'll just say everywhere. Um, and our modern situation doesn't, uh, I'm not saying that right. Our evolutionary bias is not conducive to our modern environment. And -hmm. I think people are consciously waking up to their subconscious shtick and they need to apply some new programming to our default programming. Well, I think yeah. the thing that I was going to say is um, I think that the, there's a reason why you, you mentioned tiny houses before. And, <laughs> yeah. That you know, made the, me laugh. People, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the, here's the other thing is like, I, so I'm, I, 
I don't want to say I spend too much time, but I spend a lot of time browsing Reddit. And one of the subreddits on, on there is van dwellers. So it's <laughs> literally people who have sold their stuff and moved, they, they convert, a, they go and buy a van, convert a van. So they don't have a mortgage or they don't have rent or anything else. And they live the minimal life. They just drive, drive around and park wherever they need to park or, you know, sometimes legally, sometimes illegally, I think. <laughs> but, but I think uh, the, the, you know, the interesting part about that to me is, is that that person's solution to how do I start becoming a minimalist is to limit your space. So like, I actually thought this was a cool throwback to our last episodes when Marshall visited us is we talked about Parkinson's law and that's where, you know, the, the work expands to the, the time allotted for it. Well, mm-hmm. your stuff expands to the space that you yep. have. So in my case, I, my closet stayed the same size, but I put took a bunch of stuff out of it, but I still had the space there. Well, that space filled up again. And right. so I don't know if there's a corollary or an ancillary law to that, but I'll just say it's Parkinson's law number two, that maybe your stuff, <laughs> you yeah. know, your stuff expands to the size of the container that you have. Well, you can't yeah. use a decor law because that name's taken, right? Like, <laughs> surely you've reserved that domain name for other reasons. Right, right, exactly. Mr. Lawyer. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the idea that nature abhors a vacuum applies throughout both of those ideas. That, um, and, and there is an idea that the best creativity comes from constraints, right? Like it's not impressive. If you have a kitchen full of every ingredient you could ever possibly use yeah. and need and you make something delicious – it's still not satisfying because you didn't really have to work for it. Like there's something about, okay, all I got is a hot dog, some, I can't think of random ingredients now, like a raw egg and some vegan cheese, gluten, gluten-free pasta, like <laughs> go, like make something interesting, you know, like make something good and interesting and like, okay. That, that sounds, that sounds cool. like a reality cooking show. That's all they do on there is like, here's a piece of licorice and a packet of Splenda and some ketchup. <laughs> You, you need to make a gourmet meal out of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but the same idea too, like, you know, that if, if all you have is a, a hammer and I know there's that cliche, I'm not going there, but all, all you have is like a hammer and some screws and a magnet. Like what can you build with that? Like that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It, that's where innovation and creativity thrive is working within constraints. Um, and I think we even get motivated by that too. Like if, if you're bored in your job or you're not motivated to do a task, it's, we've talked about this before. If you're procrastinating, it's because of one of two reasons. It's either too hard, right? Yeah. You need to break it down into smaller chunks or it's too easy. It's boring. So give yourself like a time limit. Give yourself, um, you know, I can only do it when someone's in the room or I, I don't know, like something, some kind of constraint to unlock creativity and energy. Same thing with minimalism. I think creating that constraint. Yeah. Like, well, what would my closet way, look like if it only had five items in it? Like, say, like another, another, yeah, another motivating factor is that when you're trying to do something is to think how you feel when that's done, or think how you feel when, like, I know, uh, you know, you mentioned finances before, but you know, one of the big things of dealing with an overwhelming amount of debt, or if you feel like that's, it's something that's a little bit hopeless, like, man, it's going to take me forever. If you can get in the mindset of feeling, how is it going to feel when you have no debt? 
then it ha- it almost can push you through and keep pushing you through that motivate, you know, keep you motivated. And same thing with this is like I, the, not only do you, how do you start, but you know, when I, when I did that with my closet, I felt so good. Like I went like literally would like the next morning I woke up and I opened my closet door and I was like, ah, oh, wow. Good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was like, it was euphoric. I mean, it was, it really did like create some endorphins. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see how you could do it. It's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I got my hit and then I was done. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's like the next hit is probably not going to be quite as good. And that's where definitely there's some discipline that has to go into. Yeah. Into this. Cause you know, yeah, if you have the space, you're probably going to fill it up. Um, you know, and that's just kind of part of our, our wiring of like Nick was saying, you know, so there's definitely just some, some mindfulness practice that kind of goes into it uh, in yeah. terms of like actually thinking about the next time you're, you're on Amazon or, or whatever website and you're about to purchase something, you know, that's when you kind of think through, all right, do I really need this? Is, is there something else I could use that I already have that yeah. will meet this need in a different way? Is, is this a need that I truly actually have to, solve or is this just something i want yeah uh, you know because that's the other thing right is the you know kind of the, the hedonic treadmill of just getting more stuff it does feel good right and that's that's where if you're for me it's like it's really fun to get stuff and then to get rid of stuff at the same time you know so it's like you get you get the the hit on both sides where it's like oh it feels so good now that my closet's clean i'll mess yeah. it up again and fill it up with stuff so i can get rid of stuff again yeah uh, you don't want to get too much <laughs> into that but you know, there's definitely a, a feel good on both sides. Um, and so you, you do have to be careful whenever you're just making purchases of like, do I really need this? Is this something that I can I can do without? Or am I, you know, something that I find really common is there's something cool, right? The, ne- the next cool gadget comes out and you just kind of naturally want it, whatever it may be. Um, like I'm a, a something of a musician uh, and <laughs> or I play one on TV, maybe that's what some people <laughs> might say. Uh, so like I see all kinds of really cool music gear that's coming out, whether it's, you know, a new guitar, it's, you know, some digital product or something, uh, you know, some new keyboard. And it's like, man, that's so cool. But then it's like, I think about how often I actually spend my time doing those things. And like, yes, it's a really cool guitar. Yes. It's a really cool piano keyboard uh, effect, whatever. But that doesn't mean that I need it. And that doesn't mean that if I actually had it, I would actually use it regularly enough for it to be worth it. And so I think that's kind of one of the things that that's good to think through, you know, back to that boat example, uh, you, you know, someone may get a boat because it's like, man, it's been my dream to get a boat since I was, you know, a teenager. And then I, I hit yeah. 30, I finally got my, my finances in order and I can afford a boat and they get a boat and then they hit 35. And you know what? That boat was really cool for years, you know, one through three of it. But then year four and five, now it's it's just a lot of work, you know, and now they've got kids on the way and and now it's taking up more time than they can deal with it. And so then there's a bit of momentum. Right. But and they just kind of feel like they have to keep the boat because it's what they'd always wanted. Yeah. Um, You know, so you need to reevaluate things as you're living, because just because something was an awesome idea for you one, two, five, ten years ago. Yeah. doesn't mean you need to stick with it, uh, you know, because it was cool then. Like you got your value out of that boat. You enjoyed it. And now it's time to um, probably sell, uh, sometimes donate those things. Yeah. Um, 
to someone who can actually find enjoyment again from it. Right. And so then you can kind of help someone else find yeah. enjoyment. And then you're also letting go of something that's now just a burden on you. And I, I think that evaluation is true on various different time scales, right? Like um, for a long time, I owned a Walkman <laughs> to date myself <laughs> a little bit. What, what longer is that? Than it was needed. Explain it. Right. <laughs> yeah, a Walkman <laughs> is like a uh, an iPod. Which an iPod is like, for those of you who don't know what an iPod is, think of an iPhone that can only play music. Yeah. <laughs> now think, uh, anyway, but it's, it's like a technological gap, right? Mm-hmm. Like it used to make sense for us all to have desktop computers and now it, most people only need a laptop. Um, similarly, like we're getting to a point in, in some areas of the country or other countries don't have this problem. Um, but here where I live, like owning a car is just a given, like it's assumed being in the suburbs, there's hardly any sidewalks. The public transportation is a joke. Um, but with the advent of Uber, affordable taxi, personal transports, uh, there's lots of people who have like ran the numbers based on where they live and where they commute to. Mm-hmm. That it, they would actually save money if they used Uber instead of own, buying a car, yeah. paying for its maintenance, its fuel, its oil changes, uh, the mm-hmm. wheel tax, the upkeep on that, um, and and the auto insurance, right? Like it, and they're also happen to be minimalists. You know, most most of those who are doing <laughs> that kind of math are millennials, right? right? They're thinking and, through it. <laughs> yeah. The, they're challenging the assumptions of their, their parents because um, times change. And I'm not, I'm not saying everybody should stop owning a car and just take Uber. Just most people. It, <laughs> not even that. Like I think it plays a lot into, you know, how, how far do you live from where you work? Right. How far do you live from where you spend your weekends? You know? Um, and the, yeah. The other, the other thing I was going to say is, do you think that there's, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm like counterpoint on this, like your point and I'm counterpoint, both of you guys is it in terms of like someone who maybe wants to be more minimal, but has a hard time giving things up, possessions, items, things like that. Do you think there's some level of like scarcity, uh, fear in there? Like a fear of like, what if I give these shirts away and I can't, buy new shirts or like, I can't find a shirt that I like as much as I like these ones. Or I, you know, these are old and ratty. Obviously I can't wear them anymore. They're not good. But, uh, but you know, like, what if I give the, what if I give away all my possessions and I never get possessions again? And that, that seems like, um, a pretty irrational fear. I mean, not, not to criticize you or or the people who feel that way, but like, the homeless people can get shirts, <laughs> you know, like, like it's, I, but I get the point And I think it's a real thing that, you know, that there's this sort of subconscious rationale that happens that we don't ever really check. Right. That, yeah. Like Marshall was talking about that being mindful and aware, like there's a certain sort of mindfulness practice. Um, there's a audiobook I'm listening to called soundtracks by what's his name. He's the same one who wrote Start 
He used to work for Dave Ramsey. Might have yeah. Um, John Acuff. He's actually yes, local. Yes, John Acuff. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he talks about like you, you sometimes have to challenge your thinking. Um, and mm-hmm. the soundtracks, or that's his term for it, is this where the sort of this background noise, this background dialogue that happens that we never really pay attention to. And it's those kinds of things. Like, what if I get rid of these shirts I don't really care about and I can never get shirts again? Or I end up not having a shirt come Friday because I don't yeah. have enough shirts. Um, you have to ask yourself a series of questions when those kinds of thoughts arise. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is, is it true? Right. right. And I'll go ahead and spoil the other questions. Is it kind uh, and is it helpful? Mm-hmm. I might have them in the wrong order, but I know the first question is, is it true? And I think that example, like it can feel real, right? Like your example of the, what if I get rid of all my shirts and get down to five and there's seven days in a week? Like, <laughs> yeah. What if I run out of shirts? Um, start washing my shirts more. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. It, is it true? Well, do you only wear a shirt once before washing it? If so, then maybe limit yourself to eight shirts instead of five. It doesn't, you know, there, there's yeah. a, there's a dialogue, right? Make adjust the challenge, the personal challenge of the notion until yeah. that, fear is no longer true assuming right. it is true lots of times but, what if i run out of shirts is just it's just not true there's no yeah. way you can run out of shirts in this day I, and age i think you that's where i kinda, 3d print a shirt if you wanted <laughs> 3d print a shirt <laughs> i think it comes back to the spectrum right where you know to me minimalism might be having you know like i don't know how many shirts i've got um <laughs> I, I still have plenty of shirts um i only you know but it's like it's it's about figuring out where it works for you, right? For some people that is eight shirts. Cause I only need seven during the week and then I've got an extra one and then I can wash them. Um, for some people it might be 80 shirts because they, they want to have lots of different shirts and they need them for lots of different situations. So it just depends from person to person. I think a slightly more realistic example, um, you know, for like for me it would be getting rid of like an old video game system. Yeah, You know, where it's like, I really enjoyed it and, uh, you know, getting rid of it is not, you know, it's not super difficult to do, but it's also not taking up tons of space, but I'm not enjoying it right now. But then I'm kind of thinking like, but I might want to play that game in the future. Right. And thinking about like uh, someday, some, maybe someday I'll want to get back into it. I've enjoyed it. I might enjoy it again someday. Um, You know, and again, that's kind of where on your scale does that fall? Like, you know, some people might say if there's a 50% chance that I'll do something again in the future, I, that's something I want to keep. Um, you know, if someone wants to be a little bit more, you know, like financially free, um, so to speak, they might go ahead and sell that item. So they've already got the funds ready to go for for whatever trip they want to take or something yeah. like that. And that's really just where it depends from person to person. How likely are they to want to do something? You know, where where do they move that slider to where they say, well, you know, if there's a 99% chance then I'll keep something. But if there is an 80% chance now, like 80% is not high enough. If I need to, I can buy it again later on um, if I really want to or something yeah. like that. Right. You know, and, and so it just, it really depends. Yeah. Well, even those percentages that. are kind of subjective. It, it's like, what does it what feel like? You know, what do the odds feel like? And that can yeah. play into your yeah. emotional I'll, calculus. I'll add to that, Marshall, because what, what you did sort of like actually led right into the other thought that I was, that I had is, talking about, and this is a big issue for me, just my personal makeup is that I'm really sentimental about things. So 
there, I have thing, and it could be an, a completely benign object, but mm-hmm. that object has like, Oh, this is the pot that I used to cook the macaroni the first time that Jen, you know, my wife and I had a date or something, you know, and it's like, it's a pot. It's not, what are you talking about? You know, but I, and I'll, I'll give you an extreme example. I know someone, a friend of mine who, uh, at the end of the year, so like they, you know, him and his wife take all these pictures, you know how we take all these pictures on our cell phones. And at the end of the year, you've got like thousands of pictures and some of them are good. Some of them are not at the end of the year, him and him alone, by the way, goes through all the pictures for the year and discards he goes i'm i just gets rid of all except for like well here's the seven pictures that are great of my kid Mm. and i'm like wow i could never do like i want i want every single photo i want a blurry photo i want a photo where it doesn't (laughs) look good i want a photo where like i keep them all you know what i mean and granted that's electronic so it's not taking up physical space but i'm so sentimental about like when i start going through boxes in my garage Every single, so the talking about the spark joy thing, I think I confuse sentimentality with sparking joy. And mm-hmm. so like in your case, what I was thinking about when you said about the video game is I was thinking part of that re- resistance to getting rid of something like that is, man, maybe it's a video game you played when you were a kid or when you were slightly younger than you are now, <laughs> who knows, you know? And that, that at that time you have this thought of like, man, that was so fun to play. Like I had such a good time playing that game. I remember being amazed at the graphics. I remember beating the game and how I felt when I beat the game, all those things. Right. And that almost adds into it. But then Mm -hmm. when you go off the spectrum on the other side, like I feel like I am a little bit where I'm like way too sentimental about things. It becomes this resistant point where you're like, I start to, I've done this multiple times. I'll tell you, and then I'll let you guys talk. (laughs) I've gone in my garage and I've gone through boxes and I'm doing the Marie Kondo thing where I'm picking things up and I'm like, oh, but this was, this is awesome. Oh, I remember this. Oh, it's like all these memories and everything like that. And literally I take everything out of a box and I'm like, all of it goes right back in the box and I close the box. And I, go, <laughs> I spent like two hours reviewing what was in that box. So, <laughs> but Hey, at least you're using it, right? I guess. Like, even I guess. going through that, you're getting, if you didn't, two, two ideas, two thoughts there. One if you didn't go through that process, how long it would it be before you ever did go through that stuff again and have right. those nostalgic reminiscent feelings? Chances are it won't happen until your kids have to go through it because yeah. you passed on and they have to go through your stuff. Yes. Second thing is I think that may be part, one of the ways where you struggle with the Marie Kondo method is you're supposed to save the sentimental stuff for last all the examples she gives ah. are like photos and trophies and stuff. Yeah. But in your case, because you, you apply so much sentiment to these things you're keeping in storage, then those would be things that you would put off to the side for later too. It's like, okay, you're saying, you're saying I'm, that's the second time you're saying I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, well, believe me, I've said it many more times in my head. <laughs> I think they're like, I'm not a particularly sentimental person. So let me go ahead and throw that out there. So yeah. that, that that's clear. Um, but there are a couple things, you know, you could potentially think through. And, and again, this is where on the spectrum, like maybe for you, minimalism is more just about going through stuff more often and appreciating what you already have and what you've experienced in life more often. Yeah. Um, but the two things, one, one of them, uh, Marie Kondo, you know, she, you think, think the item like 
and and appreciate appreciate the value that it had for you uh, and whenever you're giving away, you know, so it's like, you know, I, I just want to take some time and remember this and have that moment yeah. with that item, um, whatever it may be, a trophy or a picture or something like that. Um, but what I personally like to do for stuff like that, that is sentimental, which, you know, again, for me, it's not a lot of stuff. Um, the particular example that comes to my mind for things like this is my wife and I will write letters to each other. So every now and then, um, you know, I'll have like a letter and I want to keep that letter, but it's like a physical item that I don't really want to just like have a drawer full of letters that yeah. are all the, you know, all similar, you know, ideas and, and, and sharing of feelings. So what I do for those kinds of items is I scan them or take a picture so yeah. that I do have something to remember that item and to kind of go back and look through and have that sentimental moment but it's yeah. no longer a physical object that's taking up space somewhere. And now, you know, it's a digital thing that that Google knows about and will, you know, remind me about every three months. Yeah. <laughs> You're at your storage limit. So you need to buy more storage. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, so someday maybe that'll come back to bite me uh, from a digital standpoint. But for now, um, that's a good way for me to go back through those letters. And it actually makes it easier because I don't have to physically pull them out. Like I could, I could go through that stuff on my phone or my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's easier to access and I can look through my photos. And so like photos to me are a good way to capture those sentimental moments that, that may not be the same for everyone because sometimes it is that the, the physicality of an object being able to touch it. And that's really, you know, really where you kind of just have to, again, from person to person, you know, if, if an object meets, you know, this percentage or whatever of sentimentality where it's yeah. like, man, I love this item, but you know, and this one has some sentimental value, but it's just not quite the same. Like, you know, and that's where you kind of have to figure out where your lines are and yeah. person to person. And, and maybe you slowly move that line up if you want to. And if you want to start making that journey, you know, yeah. so you don't immediately start throwing away stuff. That's like, Oh, this was, you know, my, my, uh, my grandmother's cookware that I still use today. Yeah. Um, even though it, I could get better stuff, you know, you, you don't start with that stuff. You start with the stuff that's kind of like, Oh, here's the doilies that I never really enjoyed, but they were kind of sentimental and, and yeah. you get rid of the stuff that's easier to get rid of if you want to start working up towards that. And then that's where you figure out where's my line of, no, I'm going to keep, keep the stuff from this point, you know, up in terms of sentimentality. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I, I, um, there was a guy who was before Marie Kondo, you know, sort of that, her, her whole book and everything, all the, everything blew up with, with her and she was published and everything like that. I'm sure she's been around for much longer than we've known about her. But, uh, when she got really big, um, uh, there was somebody like, there was a guy that was on, I'm pretty sure he was like on the Oprah show and he was like a clutter guru. Like he basically, mm -hmm. he wasn't minimalism, but he was like, how do you get rid of clutter? He was just a straight up. Yeah. I'll come into your house and fix it. Right. Or help mm -hmm. you fix it. And one of the people that he, was dealing with, he was going through their kitchen. And we've already mentioned that, you know, talking about kitchen stuff. And he pulled out, you know, he's pulling out all the stuff out from like these places that like, yeah, we never go in that drawer. It's just like a bunch of like cooking stuff, right? You know, it's, it's generic cooking stuff. And we know it's there and it, it is kitchen oriented, but we just sort of never go in that drawer. And he pulled out like a brand new in the box, unopened sushi making kit. <laughs> and the person's like, he said, well, what do you, why do you have this? And she's like, well, I just, I always wanted to make sushi. Like I always thought that would be really cool to like make sushi my, on, at our house or like have people over and have a sushi party or whatever. And he's like, how long have you had this? And she's like, I don't know, like five or six years. 
And he's like, so he said, okay, well, here's the thing. You want to think that you're the person that makes sushi at home and you want to think that you're the person that's going to have a sushi party, but you're not that person. You're not that person. And maybe you will be in the future, but you're not right now. So you need to get rid of this item because it's all it is is clutter at this point because you're not using it and you're not going to use it. And the other thing I thought that was cool is he talked about sentimentality a little bit and he said... Um, another thing is like the, the, the boxes that are in the corner of your basement or your closet or your attic or wherever that are just collecting dust. And maybe they do have sentimental items in them. Um, he was like, yeah, but how much do you really care? How much are you really sentimental about those items? If they're, you're not appreciating them, they're in a box and it never, they never see the light of day. Right. So he said, if you like these, then fine bring them out and put them on a shelf. Like if it's trinkets, put them on a shelf, enjoy them every day, appreciate them, uh, things like that. But if they're in your, you're, you're not appreciating those. You're not sentimental about them because you wouldn't treat them that way if you're really sentimental about them. So it was, it, it was an interesting point that he made. I thought I was actually going to suggest that with, with the pot example you had was like, make a little shrine to, to your early yeah. times with, with yeah. you know, your wife and, um, that can be on display, a pot and the, yeah. you know, the well, first stuff you guys had together or whatever else you kept. I will <laughs> say when I got this office that I'm in right now that uh, I had a uh, – my father uh, had he, – he was on the field when the Dodgers were taking baseball practice, uh, were taking batting practice. And one of the players at the time, like when I was a kid, it broke his bat. And it didn't break clean through, but it was broken and it wasn't able to use. And he just – he was able to go to that player and say, Hey, can you sign that for my son? So I have a, a bat that is signed like to Brian, good luck in, you know, that baseball player's name. And, um, I don't know why I'm trying to keep the baseball player secret. That doesn't make any sense, but, um, <laughs> anyway, misredacted day. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just, and I thought, I don't want people to know how I'm like, yeah, Sandy Koufax, you know, like in the, you know, the, the Brooklyn Dodgers. No, I, <laughs> um, uh, So, uh, so anyway, that sat in a tube for probably 20 years in my garage or, and it moved with me to like multiple locations. It moved in with me (laughs) when I married my wife, it moved in when we moved to Tennessee, it moved when we moved three times in Tennessee, it's been in a tube that whole time. And I finally was like, you know what? I, this is, I, this is special to me. Like I've been carrying this around forever and I've always wanted to put it in a shadow box so I went to Michael's, got a shadow box, and then I hung it on my wall. And so nice. that's the kind of thing that is I, – now I enjoy it every day. I can see it like across – you know, and it's something that – I get I get that nostalgia every day instead of it mm-hmm. being in a tube like, well, I know I have that in my garage. So right. I'm nostalgic about that. So anyway. Yeah. I think too yeah. our our relationship with scarcity is, is skewed. Again, probably because of our – you know evolutionary journey but yeah like that sushi kit right Let, yeah. let's just say she paid 12 bucks for it right. five years ago well, <laughs> okay how much would it cost to get a sushi kit now when she's actually ready to use it or that video game system like even if if you got right. rid of it when you're done with it put the money you got selling it used into a bank account and let it accrue <laughs> interest if you ever did get the itch to play Galaga again on an Atari system or Nintendo Entertainment, whatever system it is, yeah, you could probably afford it at its inflated nostalgic collector price and still have money left over from the ROI of whatever investment you make. <laughs> like, there's opportunity costs 
yeah. there, but then there's opportunity cost with space. Like what right. could be there that isn't there because you've got something you're not using taking up that space. Right. That you could be enjoying today. Yes. Right. That you would yes. use today. Yeah. 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 So I, the, think to, I think to wrap this up, I guess I feel like we're getting close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just t- I'm taking over this podcast. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Anytime you come, you just take over, man. I, know, I did have kind of a closing thought. Um, go for just it. Just around like, we're, we're kind of all talking about this and Nick's t- um, talking a little bit about from the, like just the, the human evolution standpoint of, of, you know, how we are kind of made to work in nature. I think the other interesting thing about minimalism is, you know, most spiritual or religious practices have something in them about materialism not being great. I think um, Buddhism is is very anti-materialism, particularly. I know that Christianity uh, also talks a lot about, you know, um, you can only have one master, uh, you know, and, and money being that master. And typically money is used to purchase stuff. You know, and so um, Christianity is a, is a great example of where um, minimalism is, is kind of preached a little bit, maybe not in the way that we think of. But, you know, so like and then I, th- I believe um, like Taoism, I think, also has um, quite a bit on um, going for was like they, they call it something slightly different um, moderation. You know, so like all of, you know, it's it's fairly ancient wisdom, you know, to to kind of think through like do i really need everything that i want or or have you know so so again it kind of to me is just like yeah like our modern times definitely make it easy to accrue stuff and to keep stuff and then to buy a storage unit so we can continue to buy stuff yeah you know and so it's it's interesting and then the other the other kind of joke uh jerry seinfeld i think made a joke one time about all of our stuff is just in the process of becoming trash. Like everything is, yeah. is going to become trash and it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. You right. know? And so it's just like thinking through like that ancient wisdom and how everything eventually is going to, to wind up being trash. And so then it's just kind of like, okay, how do I, how do I not buy stuff that I don't need? That's just going to yeah. end up becoming trash or, or how do I donate some of the stuff that I've gotten the value out of so that someone else can get some of the value out of it now. Right. Right. The great philosopher Jerry Seinfeld. Yep. <laughs> you tied right into my spiritualism and re- religious section there. <laughs> that's true. And I think that notion though plays into some of the reasons we have difficulty getting rid of stuff is to some extent we identify with it and there's an existential thing that goes on there like you know brian doesn't want to lose the memory of his time with jen or you know i don't want to lose the memory of my grandmother baking cookies so i don't want to get rid of this cookie sheet that i got from her when she passed but it's it's over right the time has passed the cookie sheet isn't not usable it'd be better scrap metal like it's time has come just like grandma's time has come had come and my time will come um all my stuff's time will become trash yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that was too far to reach. Anyway, if you think we're just talking out of our... Uh, Are you yin-yangs? Yin-yang. <laughs> <laughs> yin-yang. Yin-yang. Uh, or you'd like to share what you have to come out of your yin-yang, email us, help yourself at brynick.com, B-R-Y-N-I-C.com. Uh, we also are on Instagram and 
if you have something for Marshall, go ahead and email us too. We'll pass that along to him. He would love some fan mail of his own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And our Instagram handle is help yourself the podcast. Help yourself the podcast. So if you want to follow no, us, no there, hyphens, no, no hyphens, hyphens or... no periods, no, you know, help yourself the podcast. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, there'll be pictures there. There'll be uh, other stuff, uh, previews of episodes and things like that. Uh, something new that we're starting, but. If you'll follow us, then you can get info about us. All right. Sweet. It's a pleasure right. talking oh, to you. And Jeremy. also, thank you, Marshall, for coming back on again. We really appreciate it. It was It's always awesome to have you on and uh, just a fun time and great conversation. Absolutely. You're here. <laughs> Hopefully that makes it another cut. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Help Yourself, you can follow on Instagram at Help Yourself the Podcast. And to contact Brian and Nick, email helpyourself at brynick.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.